This spring, the Metropolitan Opera Guild will mark its return to in-person galas with the 17th Annual Opera News Awards. We would love you to join us for this exciting occasion. This year's honorees, mezzo-soprano Denise Graves, baritone Quinn Kelsey, and soprano Elsa Vandenhever will be feted at a black tie gala on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022 at the Plaza Hotel. This glamorous evening will include a silent and live auction and will celebrate our honorees via speeches, performance footage, and exclusive musical tributes. Tickets can be purchased at www.metgill.org awards or by calling 212-769-7009. We can't wait to celebrate with you. Quiz time. Which composer was Mahler talking about when he described their work as a live volcano, a subterranean fire? Find out on today's episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. Give up? It was composer Richard Strauss. Of his many operatic, symphonic, and vocal compositions, his opera Ariadne of Naxos has remained a staple of the operatic repertoire for decades. Considered by many to be his masterwork, its intricate play-within-a-play structure tackles the ideas of the power of art, music, and mythology. Join lecturer Philip Gainsley as he explores the history and music of this difficult work. You know, there have been a few occasions on the Met broadcast, on the quizzes, where someone would write a letter saying, what important character has been never seen or heard in the opera, but vital to the opera? That's a tough question. And tonight's opera, I'm going to volunteer, is one such opera. The most significant gentleman in the opera is a bourgeois gentleman the richest man in Vienna, who, uh, to entertain his guest, is having a dinner. And then that dinner has followed by two shows, an opera seria and an opera buffo. The opera seria is Ariadne of Naxos, and the buffo is the tale of fickle Zerbinetta and her two lovers, to be performed one after the other, to be completed, though, by 9 o'clock so that the fireworks can begin on time. And then he changes his mind, and with dinner running late, he says, you better have the operas run simultaneously. So the fireworks are obviously his highlight of the evening. No wonder he's a bourgeois gentleman. The genius of Richard Strauss and of Hugo von Hofenstahl is so obvious in this work where these characters of two different genres, two different operas, combine to give us this fabulous evening, a clever evening. Tonight's opera is in two parts then, the prologue and then the after intermission of the opera itself. Yes, an opera within the opera. 
And for the most part in my talk tonight, I'll be using the Met titles prepared by Sonia Friedman, who told me that she tried to use the more formal text for the Ariadne performers and a more colloquial text reflecting the Elbe just as Hofmannsthal did in the original German. When the curtain arises on the prologue, we see a room in the richest man's house. This is in 18th century Vienna. There's a backstage on one side and the entrance to the hallway to the dining room on the other. And I love it at the very beginning, right after the musical introduction, we listen to Strauss's orchestra depict the chaos backstage. Listen to this chaos backstage here. The music master is wanting to be heard by the richest man's major domo. The music master wants but one word, Einwittner. I just heard something I can't believe, he says. And Strauss is telling us in the background that what he's heard is about Zerbinetta. Strauss is giving us a Zerbinetta motif. Listen very carefully for it. It's very fleeting. One word. And what he's heard is that following the presentation of his student composer's Opera there is to be a, quote, a so-called musical entertainment, a shallow, vulgar operetta, an Italian musical farce. I can't permit it, he says. But the majordomo, in clearly a, a, only a speaking role, says, reminds him whose house they're in and who's paying them. And the uh, music master can only say, but this is a major, profoundly serious work. It must be performed in a dignified setting. And the major domo says, the work is to complement a most sumptuous supper, to which the music master responds, Ariadne is to be an entertainment that aids digestion. And once again, we hear not only Zerbinetta in the back, the underscoring in the background, but we hear Zerbinetta and her four true lovers motif. Again, careful because it's very fleeting. And the major almost says yes, followed precisely at nine o'clock by the fireworks, and in between the two, the Italian farce. Meanwhile, nothing to do with anything, except for maybe local color of backstage life. An officer is about to enter the dressing room of Zerbinetta, she of the shallow, vulgar operetta. The servant offers to knock on the dressing room door and see if he can hear the knocks. He says, the servant says, she's in the dressing and I'll knock first and listen to what Strauss gives us in the knock in the brass. Very fleeting. Now the composer enters. This is one of opera's trouser roles, a male character played by a female, in this instance a soprano, since, as Strauss is quoted as saying, tenors are so terrible. So he says, and it'll be confusing because it's going to be the soprano, but he says, Give me the fiddles for one last brief rehearsal. This is the composer talking. And Strauss gives us, in the rehearsal, we actually hear the orchestra tune up. Right. Here. 
So the servant tells the composer that the fiddle players are at dinner, not their dinner, but the dinner for the richest man. And the servant says to the composer, the fiddlers are playing for him now. Capito, understand? In this one brief passage, two things just jump out at me. One is we hear the fiddlers playing, and we'll hear the orchestra playing in the, uh, in the pit, but also the insult. Why is he saying capito to him? So listen to the book. It's a, it's a brief passage, but it's loaded. Here's the orchestra. Let me give it to you again. Here's the orchestra playing. Then I'll rehearse the leading lady, he says, and he heads for the dressing room. The servant tells the composer that the lady he wants isn't in the dressing room, and the one in the dressing room isn't <coughs> available. So now it's 15 minutes to curtain. And the composer says, you ought to be able to speak to anyone in his opera. And then we hear the suggestion of the composer's very serious motif here. <laughs> Then he says, there's so many changes in the last minute, he says. And listen to the flute again with the composer's motive. So many changes. The melodies come to the composer's mind. So the composer wants to remind the tenor who plays Bacchus in the opera after intermission that he is a god, not a clown. But when he says that you're not a clown, you're a god, the tenor playing Bacchus runs out of the dressing room without his wig, and he's fighting with the wig master, and he looks more like a clown than a god. Anyhow, the officer, Zermanetta, finally comes out and says, after being unavailable in the dressing room, we go on right after the opera. It'll be easy to make them laugh after they've been bored for the whole hour. The composer looks at Zerbinetta and asks the music master, who's that delightful young woman? And the music master answers, well, oh, I'm glad you like her. That's Zerbinetta. Here, music masters say to the composer, she sings, she dances with four partners in a little musical comedy after your opera. Everything's fine until after your opera. And the composer's after my opera, but listen to how the music master precedes or anticipates the troops dancing with Zerbinetta and her four lovers. Again, she sings, she dances. After my opera? A musical comedy, dancing and warbling, obscene gestures and jokes after Ariadne. It's important as we sit there tonight to remember how serious this opera is to the composer. I mean, there should be no breaches in the composer's concept of Ariadne. The music master says to his student, the composer, be calm. No, I can't be calm. And then he, we know from Strauss the reason he can't be calm as we hear Zerbinetta's theme. There's Zerbinetta's theme right there. 
the composer turns on his music master and says, whoever treats me like this is no longer my friend. Now the prima donna comes in, the soprano. She's the one who's going to play Ariadne after intermission in the opera. And she sees Urbanetta and her troupe. Who are these eccentrics? How can we appear with such people? Zurinetta gives Ariadne cast a look. Zurinetta says, we should go on first because the opera bores them stiff. It'll be twice as hard to make them laugh. One of the things you ought to listen for in this is the piano. The piano usually accompanies everything Zurinetta says, just as the harp accompanies Ariadne. And, you know, it stands to reason. That harp is that angelic sound that Ariadne has. So the dancing master says, no, after dinner, they're too stuffed to respond. They need some time to nod and nap in the dark. And when they wake, they'll clap politely and uh, be ready to pay attention. But the dancing master doesn't just say it. He choreographs it. He sings it with choreography. But listen first to Zerbinetta. We go on after she says. What comes next? Pickles of Renetta and her four suitors. the dancing master. The music master, the composer's mentor, Ariadne is the event of the evening. It's Ariadne that music connoisseurs want to hear. That's why they, uh, these aristocrats come to the house of the richest man in Vienna. And he assures the prima donna, the soprano, that everyone will be talking about the opera Ariadne, in which Ariadne is abandoned by Theseus on the island of Naxos. Well, the servant announces that everyone is leaving the table. The music master says, places everyone, and they're about to begin, and then we hear this ominous timpani. The major domo announces that his noble master has made a change a sudden decision, a change in the order of things. The music master says, well, we're ready to begin the opera, Ariadne, in, in three minutes. We're ready. Timpani. His lordship has changed his mind. He doesn't want to begin with the opera. And then prima donna, that clicks her ears. What is that? And you'll hear the harp accompany her. So first we have the major domo making the change. And remember, this is a speaking role. Der gnädige Herr haben sich nunmehr wiederum anders besonnen. 
Es soll also nicht mit der Oper begonnen werden. Was ist das? You hear the harp with the, with the, the prima donna? The major domo says, where's the dancing master? His lordship has decided to change the program that he formerly approved. The dancing master comes in. Again, he doesn't just sing. His, there's dance in his voice. Listen to this. Um Vergebung. Wo ist der Where's the dancing master? Ich habe einen Auftrag now, here the dancing master comes in. The Majordomo says that uh, the approved program is canceled. But at the last minute, this is going too far. The Majordomo says it shall be altered as follows. The dancing master interrupts him. First, uh, Fickle Zerpanetta and her four fickle friends, then Ariadne, very sensible. And we hear the timpani again, and the Majordomo says, no, the musical comedy will be neither the first nor the second. It will appear with the tragedy Bacchus. Is this rich man, is he, is he mad? Has he gone mad? And we hear the prima donna says, I must speak to him at once. <laughs> and the major domo says, how they carry out his orders is their own uh, affair, but the whole thing must be done by nine o'clock so that the fireworks can commence on time. And his lordship is used to having his orders carried out. Oh, and by the way, he says, that stage set of the desert island, not this, decorated with the characters from the comedy. Well, composers have it. Ariadne is on the island of Naxos. She's the symbol of human loneliness. Listen to how upset the composer is with the thought of decorating this island with characters from the comedy. Zerbinetta says, with the piano behind her, well, that's exactly why she needs company. The composer says, there's nothing around her but rocks, the ocean, the desert, and heartless echo. And if she sees one human face, and when she says one human face, listen for the music of Zerbinetta's theme. My music will be meaningless. The dancing master sings in, dances in, but at least the audience will wake up. As of now, before it's halfway through, they'll be fast asleep. He doesn't just end that with a period or an exclamation point. It's with a pirouette. Let's finish up this passage. That's it. The composer says, we must leave. What reason do we have to stay? What reason, the music master says. How about the 50 ducats we were paid in advance to live on for the next six months? The dancing master says, today, this is one of those lines that is, I think, that they just kind of stand out. This is one of those lines that tells us what Hoffenthal and Strauss were thinking about. Today, we revere hundreds of great geniuses who sacrificed far more to gain the first performance. I do a lot of 
these are mules, and I've done them for years, and a lot of them with composers. Getting that first performance done was, that's the challenge. So when I read this, we revere hundreds of great geniuses who sacrificed so much to get that first performance, absolutely. Well, the dancing now with that with these changes, everyone's going to the composer saying, well, that's got to come out, his has got to come out, no, his has got to come out. Everyone is trying to, to get their uh, role saved. And I want to jump to where the composer, um, uh, after everyone is urging that there be cuts made in someone else's part, here the dancing master says, Theseus is tired of her and has abandoned her and left her on the desert island doing the story. The music master said, well, that's got to come out. Zerbonetta says, that young scoundrel. The dancing master says, she pines away and prays for death. Zerbonetta says, death? But of course, she just means another lover. The dancing master, that's exactly how it turns out. The composer says, no. Ariadne is one of those women who belongs to only one man in her life. You know what Zerbonetta's response to that is? How arrogant this response is. But you got to fall in love with Zerbonetta. But how arrogant her she just vocalizes it. It just it puts her finger in the eye. Listen to the dancing master say, uh, Theseus is tired of her and has abandoned Ariadne on the island of Noxus. Ariadne is one of those women who belongs to only one man. Now, listen to Zerbinetta's response here. Here. Until the composer says she's conquered by death. The music master says, yes, the young god Bacchus comes to her, and we'll hear the Bacchus theme as he refers to it. Zerbinetta says, I knew it all along. She gets exactly what she wants. The composer says, no, she mistakes him for the god of death. She believes he is death when she goes to him. Zerbinetta, well, that's what she wants you to think. No, that, that's why she goes with him to her ship. She believes she's going to die. She truly does die. Zerbinetta says, you trying to tell me about women? There's the music of Bach that we hear in the second act. How solemn the composer always is. This is his show, his play, and it's falling apart. So Zerbinetta now explains the new plot. We're a jolly traveling company that's landed on this island. Just take your cues from me. We'll whittle our way through the action, uh, Zerbinetta says. It's just the antithesis of the composer's concept of this opera seria Ariadne of Noxus. Take your cues from me. She surrenders to death. The composer says, then she is born anew. 
for life is renewed in his embrace, and he himself achieves godliness. How else in the world could one become a god except through loving? We'll hear the harp accompany him, and then we'll hear the Bacchus theme, and then Zerbinetna. worse. Decent organ notes saying something worse. Now Zerbinetta is flirting with the composer and frankly with the composer with her. I'm often overcome by the longing for and the music master enters to your places, everyone, and he names all the players, Ariadne, Zerbinetta, Scaramucho, Harlequin, and the show is about to start. The dance master uh, flatters Zerbinetta, the music master assures the prima donna that Ariadne will be the hit of the evening. She demands, get those creatures off the stage. He's going to dazzle them by portraying the gulf between you and her. Gulf? The whole world, I would hope. I want to play you this passage, though, with the composer here by Tatiana Troyanos, who we still miss, and she did this role so beautifully. Let's make up, she says. I see everything differently now. Who can understand the depths of existence? There's not much in the world that can't be put in the words. This is where I want to pick it up. Poets have set down exquisite words, and yet, Rudeck, 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 and yet, and yet, and yet, I have new courage. The world is delightful. It's not terrifying to men of daring. lines in the show. What then is music? Music is a sacred art that brings together men of daring. Music is like the guardian of a sacred <laughs> the composer 
So into it, and this reaches this climax, uh, what's Gervinetta's response? She whistles at everyone to get in parts everywhere, get your places, everyone. <laughs> Composer says, "What's going? What is this? Where'd they all come from?" And the music master said, "Reminds her of her compromising position with Gervinetta during the flirtation. Well, you allowed it." The composer says, "You shouldn't have let me allow it. Why do you drag me out of my own world? Let me freeze and starve and perish in my own." World. Syria now, and I want to play where um, the three spirits or nymphs, Naiad, Dryad, and Echo, they're watching over Ariadne, and they see that she's sleeping, but she's crying in her sleep. Listen to this. You hear the lapping of the waves. You hear the swift rustling of the wind. Now remember, Ariadne has been abandoned by Theseus. She awakens, thinking, hoping that she's dead. I live on, yet I have no true life. I must still find the, the maiden I used to be. Harlequin and Zerbinetta, a devoted burlesque, they eavesdrop from the back of the stage. So young, so lovely, but so immensely sad. Gervinetta says she looks like a child, but she is such sadness in her eyes. Here's uh, Lisa Davikin, who we're going to hear during this run of the operas, in a monologue to herself about herself. How beautiful they, meaning herself and Theseus, how beautiful they once were. Theseus and Ariadne, they walked in light, rejoiced in life. How beautiful they once were. Why do I think of them? I want to forget them. I ought to tell you, too, what's interesting. I was talking to Brenda Ray, who is our Zerbinetta for these runs, and she told me she's actually been in productions where the um, composer actually sits in for the second act and watches his play being demolished. But actually, reconciles at the end. That's not a part of this production, but it's an interesting concept. Now, here's Leva Davidson with Ariadne's monologue. Again, she says, she lives here all alone. She will wrap herself in her shawl. She will shroud her face with a veil, and she'll lie down there forever. I want to pick it up where she says, 
und eine Tote sein among the dead. And Harlequin of the Burlesque peeks out from the stage. I'm afraid great sorrow has unbalanced her mind. And Zerbinetta says, let's see if music helps, but let's go back to where I said we'll pick it up with um, among the dead. To finish the sentence, and she will lie down forever among the dead. Here's Harlequin. He's so sad. He's unbalanced. The four lovers. I love it. They're the kind And Jimmy had well-meaning, but after all, she is who she is. Well-meaning says, why don't you try singing? The Har Harlequin, uh, why don't you try singing? Harlequin is the romantic comedian among them. And here's a little tune that he says that you might be humming in the cab on the way home tonight. It's one of those that just sticks with you. Now, love, faith, hope. And echo, what is the name? Repeat it, but without words, vocally. says, yeah, I knew that when I was singing. You seem deeply moved. I've never been so touched. You feel that way about every woman, and don't you about every man? It is such a contrast to the seriousness of Ariadne of Naxos. Ariadne, again, we're, I want to play this section by Lisa Davidson. There's a realm where all is pure. It is the realm of death, Tolkenheim. Here, nothing is pure. Here, everything is tainted. With his staff, he rules over all souls. Like birds on the wing, like dry leaves, he drives them before him. Oh, beautiful, serene God. Ariane awaits him. My heart must be cleansed of all wild grief. And of course, the instrument accompanying her is the harp. Stop. 
In silence, my soul shall follow my new Lord. Darkness will fall upon my eyes and upon my heart. But I want to pick it up where she says uh, about Hermes, the God of death, you will set me free. Give me to myself. The burdensome life, take it from me. So I will lose myself entirely in you. And with you, Ariadne will abide. Now comes Zerbinetta's recitative and cover aria. This is a virtuoso piece that is just a remarkable, well, 12, 12 and a half minutes of opera. You're going to hear Brenda Ray. Here's Brenda Ray. I asked Brenda Ray how she prepares for a 12, 12 and a half minute solo performance, not just singing but also prancing around the stage. And here's her answer. You know, it's something that everyone always asks me about. They ask if I, I get stressed out beforehand, if I'm really nervous. Um, but I find the best way to prepare is just kind of like every other role, you know, make sure my voice is ready. But the most important thing um, is to express, to communicate with the audience. If I, if I start worrying about my vocalism too much, then I, I think... You know, you just get in your own way. And it's such, such a fun aria to perform that if you just let it do its job, then you're in good shape. <laughs> Princess, she says, hear me out. You're not alone. Your heart is numb. are countless. A brief night, a fleeting day, a waft of air, a languishing glance, and their hearts are transformed. But are we immune to the same cruel enhancements, to some inexplicable transformation? Talking about men.
often feel that I belong to one man alone, but a desire for freedom overcomes my bemused heart. Soon I have a new stolen love. What bold, brazen emotions. Um, so I asked Ms. Ray, who is Zerbinetta? Who do you believe? And this was her response. That's one of the role, the parts of the role that fascinates me the most is because Zerbinetta can be so many different people. There's quite a lot of openness. Is she telling the truth when she talks about her loneliness, that she wants to be, find someone to just be true to, one person to be true to? Or is she playing the composer because she sees that that's what interests the composer most? I think this is uh, maybe the ninth production I've done. I'm, I've, I've lost count. And you know, I'm never bored by her because I can do something different with her. I can do, if depending on the production, I can do something with her every night, depending on how I feel. Like, am I personally that day having a, a like a more of an angry moment with men? Am I, am I frustrated by men? Am I just delighted by them? Um, I think Serbinetta can be so many different women, but I think what remains true about Serbinetta is she loves people and she she's like an extrovert probably who gets energy from being around people so however she can surround herself by people and be loved by people because I think that's one thing about Serbinetta is she wants to feel that other people are attracted to her and love her. Finally she ends with a, a rondo but the rondo that Keeps coming back is each man appeared to me like a god. As he started toward me, I was struck dumb. One kiss on my hand and cheeks. I was God's prisoner, that God's prisoner, and I surrendered without a word. Well, she was talking to deaf ears. It made no sense to Ariadne at all, who really was oblivious to her presence. Well, remember, this is the play of the tale of the fickle Zerbinetta and of her true lovers. Well, the four now try to seduce her, and there was this running around the stage, each of the four lovers trying to seduce 
Zerbinetta. And finally, we find that she's with Harlequin, and you'll see in the performance, he's all over her, literally and figuratively. Ah, the thief, the Harlequin is all over Zerbinetta. And now we finally hear Bacchus. Seriously, he says, I escaped from you. See, I can laugh and be carefree. And you'll hear him, he's in a distance. Finally, he reveals himself through the fog, and Ariadne thinks his face to this. thinks it's the it's death death and Bacchus says are you a sorceress as well Ariadne says I'm ready why do you ask me to test me this is I think as much about their getting to know each other it's really about each of them getting to know himself and herself <laughs> The last words of the opera are not Zerbinetta's. The last commentary is Zerbinetta's. She does have the last word in terms of the solution, in terms of a resolution. And listen to Bacchus, and I would sooner have the eternal stars perish than have you die in my arms. And then the two walk through the canopy, all to the music of his fanfare.
That was Guild lecturer Philip Gainsley discussing the magic and grandeur of Richard Strauss's massive work, Ariadne of Naxos. This classic Met production can be seen in cinemas through the upcoming Live in HD broadcast on March 12, 2022. For more information, visit metopera.org and be sure to follow the Metropolitan Opera, Opera News, and the Metropolitan Opera Guild on your favorite social media platforms to keep up to date on all things opera. I'm your host, Elspeth Davis, and thank you for listening.